Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 3, Term 2. This is Lesson 17. We are going to pick up where we left off in John chapter 4 and verse 39. Remember again that Jesus has been talking to the woman at the well. So we're going to pick up in John 4 39 and it says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, He told me all that I ever did. So in other words, the woman's testimony of the fact that Jesus had intimate details of her life and the profound effect this unexpected knowledge of her past had on this woman did in fact have a great part to play in the salvation of this city. William MacDonald writes, As a result of the simple and forthright testimony of the woman of Samaria, many of her people believed on the Lord Jesus. All she said was, He told me all that I ever did. And yet that was sufficient to bring others to the Savior. This should be an encouragement to each of us to be simple, courageous, and direct in our witness for Christ. In other words, you don't have to be a genius to win people to, G- to Jesus Christ. Just do what you are led to do, nothing more, nothing less, and let God do the rest. So let me just stop there for a minute. It is very important that we understand something here. She wasn't some great statesman. She didn't have all the flowery words you know, to try and convince everybody of what had happened and that they should come and see. She just said something very simple. Amen. And one of the things that I've realized is, it's the simplicity that we should be looking for, not the complexity of trying to... See, the more complex you get, then the more things you have to defend. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. Um, I know some people just like to, you know, they say they want to know more before they make decisions and stuff. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day... There is not ever going to be ever enough information for you to decide on something that takes your will to do. You need to will to do something. You need to decide you want to do something. You want something. And you know, it's, I believe that because it's a decision of the heart, not really the head. And be wary of people that come in because they were convinced to come in. Because if they were convinced to come in, they can be convinced to go back out. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Um, so, you, you, you know, one of the things that you need to always look out for is a heart decision, not a head decision. Um, and, I, and I see this very often uh, when, when people sort of say, oh, well, you know, I was converted and, you know, I, I, I realized that this is the right way and everything else. You have to be careful, where did you realize it, in your head or in your heart? That's right. Amen? Because if you realize it in your heart, then nothing is going to change it. If you realize it in your head, it's up for grabs. Because your head, your mind, your intellect, if it isn't renewed, is the devil's playground. Do you hear what I'm saying? But if it is renewed, it becomes a stronghold that the devil can't penetrate. It takes a while to get a stronghold up there in your mind that he can't penetrate. A lot of the strongholds that people have in their mind is all the ones he put in there. <laughs> Do you know what I'm trying to say? So, anyway, let's move on. So simplicity is what's important. And again, I've said here also, uh, one of the things that I said was, you know, do only what you're led to do. Look for a leading. If there's no leading, don't ever be um, led by guilt. <laughs> okay? Uh, you know, sometimes people are guilted into witnessing. Don't do that. This woman didn't do anything out of guilt. 
Amen? She was excited. She couldn't not tell anybody. Something wondrous happened to her. And she's like, wow, this is, this is unbelievable. And she had to go tell somebody. That enthusiasm told people something was up. Amen? Amen. It's not something you can fake either. And the other thing that I, I've said here else also is, once you do what you're led to do, one of the biggest problems we also have is we try to help God. So God will lead you into something. He'll give you an idea. He'll give you something to say. And then you'll add about six paragraphs to it. You need to be careful that you keep it to the one thing. Notice she didn't elaborate. All she said was, come and see a man who knew everything about me. I mean, that was it. She didn't go on to say, and you know, I was, I was this and I was that. And, and then, you know, I was thinking that morning, I might meet somebody. And, I, you know, they just all walk off. We have to be careful. Do you hear what I'm saying? We need to stick to what God tells us to, to say and then leave it. And watch, watch, you know, you need to let God do the rest. You really need to let God. Because if you are busy helping Him, you're not letting Him do what He wants to do. He's saying, hush. Because I've just lit a fire in somebody's heart or several people's hearts. They're ready to go. You keep talking, that fire is going to go out because you kept them here. Do you get what I'm saying? You, if you, you need to catch this because it is so important. Because a lot of times, God starts to fire through our mouth and then our mouth puts it out. Through many words. <laughs> okay? Let me just say that. Moving on. The Apostle Paul understood this well. Alright, he understood that you need to, see, you need to let God do His job. And that's the reason why he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And now watch what he says in verse 7. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. In other words, don't get a big head. Remember we talked about the, the sower and the reaper? Remember all that? And, and be careful that, you know, just because you reap certain individuals because somebody else took the time to sow into their life, don't think you're all that. You know what I mean? And then the person that's, re- that's been sowing all that time and they get depressed because you reaped it. <laughs> okay? Don't you get depressed either. Paul says something here. He says to the sower, he says... Don't think of yourself as anything. To the reaper, he says, don't you think of yourself as anything. Everything is God. God is behind it all. Now, yes, it did take you to say yes to do things. And for that, yes, God... And see, the thing is, God will bless you. That's why it said that the sower and the reaper, they both get blessed. Amen? To receive this blessing, you have to put yourself in a place where you don't consider yourself anything. Do you get that? The more you want the less you get. The less you want, the more you'll get. A lot of times, you know, people are looking for the thanks. People are looking for, you know, okay, what reward do I get, Lord, now that I've done this? You ask the question, you're not getting it. I mean, you'll get blessed, but you know, not the way God wants to bless you. Amen? And can I say this? If you're asking, then nothing is ever going to be enough either. And you'll miss the biggest blessings God will bring in your life because some of them take Time. Amen. Okay. So, here he says again, So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God. 
And we always need to remember that. Whatever you do, understand God's part in this. So if things don't work out, understand because it's up to God to bring the increase. If they don't listen to you and if they reject you, it's not you. Don't Just leave it alone. Okay, you might say, well, I really messed it up there. You know what? God's big enough to take care of it. See, we need to also see that side. We can't be carrying guilt around that we did something and it didn't work and now they've walked off. And Hey, hey, hey. Let God bring the increase. You just walk off and pray. Amen? Just walk off and pray. And just say, you know what, God? I'm handing it over to you. See, some of, see, we don't realize that that's one of the cares that we can hand over to God. We think cares are, you know, electricity bills and water bills and, you know, whatever else. But there are also those things. What are cares? Things that you care about. Amen? And if you're ministering to people or you've got family that you're trying to get saved... Cast the care unto God. Trust me, it'll work a lot better. Amen? And then you'll be free to do things as He leads, because you'll be listening to Him then. Okay, always remember that God is responsible for the increase, not you. That's what I meant by that. But uh, but none of this is possible if there isn't any planting and watering. And why D.A. Carson writes, The witness of ordinary human beings is never despised. Amen. Okay. The, the, listen, to, listen to what he's saying. The witness of ordinary human beings. You know, you don't have to be somebody extraordinary. Amen. He says just the witness of ordinary human beings is never despised. He says even though, verse 32 underscores the fact that the peculiar witness of Jesus himself is more powerful and wonderful yet. So regardless of what we do, it's something interesting happens when you witness regarding Jesus. You know, and I know there's a lot of bad press and a lot of stuff out there that makes you feel kind of weird and funny. Because, and, you know, people have just done the wrong thing for so long as well. That, you know, you just get thrown into that same bucket with everybody else. And, oh, you're one of those Jesus people, you know. <laughs> Do you know what I'm trying to say? And, you know, before you can finish the sentence, you know. And it's just like, it's just, can we not throw me into that bucket yet? Okay. And um, anyway, what he's saying here as well is that there's something peculiar about Jesus. When you start talking about that, you know what's peculiar about it? He's alive. And he can talk over you into their heart and into their life while you're talking. That's what you, you never forget. and never. This is why it's God who brings the increase. Jesus Christ will be there saying, I'm here. I'm talking to you through this person. You listen to them. Do you understand? You're never alone. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's especially when you're witnessing. <laughs> okay? When, when things could go up in smoke. Just know He's right there with you. So continuing into John 4 and verse 40. It says, So when the Samaritans had come to Him, they urged Him to stay with them, and He stayed there two days. This is very interesting. All right? This is a marked contrast to the way the majority of the Jewish leaders treated Jesus. He came and they said, keep going. <laughs> you know, they have nothing to do with him, alright? But these people are saying, please stay. In fact, William Hendrickson says that the Samaritans were so eager to meet this stranger personally in order to see for themselves that they came to him. Now that's interesting, isn't it? 
They didn't say to the Samaritan woman, now, you know, you, um, you know, uh, have a meeting with him, you know, and then we'll turn up if we think we want to come. <laughs> okay? None of those things happened. They all said, we want to go see this for ourselves. That's, that's something extraordinary, isn't it? Added to this, Leon Morris says that the new believers did not part readily with their newfound Lord. They pressed, literally kept on asking. That's what it meant when they said it, they urged him to stay. Oh, uh, yeah, they urged him to stay with them. They literally kept on asking him. They did, wouldn't let him go. Do you know why? Finally, somebody was there to answer all their questions. Remember how the woman at the well said, I've got a question for you. Which mountain is right? And, and he said, neither. <laughs> you know? He said, something is coming that's better than all of this. Can you imagine what other conversations he had? See, we don't know. It's not recorded. You know, I was going to say God only knows, and that's exactly right. What all he actually said. You know, all the things that he would have said for two days. You know, you almost wish somebody wrote down all the stuff, all the questions and answers. You know, everything they asked and all the stuff. He taught them and he would have taught them. Amen. Because remember, he said, I need to do this. I need to go to Samaria. You know why? Because he needed to teach them. Nobody would look after them. Nobody would teach them. All right. So, uh, where were we? So, the new, these new, new believers did not uh, part readily with their newfound Lord. They pressed, literally kept on asking Jesus to remain with them. And their insistence wasn't without result. Jesus stayed with them for two days. The reason for the brief stay, because he, that he didn't stay longer, is explained when we get to verse 43, okay? Alright, just think how privileged this city was, having the Lord of life and glory in their very midst, and being able to finally get the answers to all the questions that they had been wrestling with for centuries, and right from the lips of God Himself. Amen. And to conclude, D.A. Carson writes, that the, that the Samaritans should urge a Jewish rabbi to stay with them, attest not only the degree of confidence he had earned, but their conviction that he was none less than the promised Messiah. Amen. You know, they, they knew who they had, man. They said, Ooh, this is him. We want you to stay a long, 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 long time. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and can you, you know, have you ever thought about this as well? And I'd like to bring some of these things out. I'm sorry I don't rush through these, because I think there's just so much here, and it's so rich, that sometimes we miss things. Who do you think he stayed with? He doesn't know anybody there. They would have just said, stay in our house. Do you think the doors ever closed for two days? Think about this. I mean, people, you know, so some stranger would have invited him in and said, stay with us. You know, you can sleep here. We'll feed you. We'll look after you. Just answer all our questions. <laughs> you know? I mean, it would have been something they wouldn't have said that. But, you know, there, it would, he would have been like a traveling minister, a guest speaker. You know, somebody that was come from out of town and had nowhere to stay. It's not like he could go check into a motel. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay? And, I mean, they would have been looking after him and feeding him and just sitting around. And can you just imagine what would have been going on for those two days? Many more people would have been They would have. Now, that's something else we're going to bring out as well in just a minute. But, you know... Well, let's continue on. Because the next verse actually brings that out. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> to conclude, D.A. Carson writes that Samaritans... Oh, excuse me. Verse 41, because I already read that. 
It says, verse 41, And many more believed because of his own word. In other words, even though he only stayed two days, during that time, the harvest extended beyond those who had initially come out to see him, owing to the witness of the woman. And now it included a great many people believing. But this time, because of his own word. Notice that? Many more believe because of his own word. So it's no longer based on the word of the woman. And this is something else that we need to understand. That once we do our job in letting people know, then really it becomes the job of the church to keep that going. It's not your job to keep it going. Do you understand? Because a lot of times the Lord will give you some, a word of encouragement, some, just a word that will help them cross the line. If they're ready to cross it, they'll cross it. If they're fighting with you, they're not ready yet. Okay, that's not the time to argue, that's the time to pray. Sometimes we think, oh, if you came up with a better argument, no, you need to come up with better prayer. <laughs> so to speak. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Uh, not that you better pray, but just pray more. You know, because that's, that's a heart that's not ready yet. Obviously. Amen? It's a person that really needs st- some convincing still, and, and wherever the problem is, they still need to work through some things. Amen? And I think sometimes we are too busy trying to come up with another you know, uh, avenue of attack, so to speak. What else can we say that will really rock their boat? And ch- you know what? Don't do that. Just ask God. Be surprised at the things that He'll tell you. <laughs> okay? And uh, it's usually not to do with arguments. It's usually, can, can I just say this? The greatest problems that you're going to have with people in getting them saved isn't some intellectual problem. They will, they will always make it look like that's what it is. It will always be something in their past that shifted them away from God. Something that they got hurt over, discouraged over, whatever it is. It will be something that you can't figure out as far as intellect goes. And until this one little thing is taken care of, until that one little key is turned, they're not going to say yes. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, a lot of times that's... And we need to understand that. See what happened with this woman. He said, she said, he said to her, go bring your husband. She said, I don't have one. And then he just reads her file. You know, (laughs) and and she's like, wow, see that? He picked, he found out where her hurt was. She had that many failed marriages, whatever was wrong with her life, you could see it in that that part, part of her life was what was telling. And he didn't know her, she didn't know him. It was just like, well, you know. It's not like he had scouts that went ahead and said, go and find me some dirt on people so I can, you know, come and say, oh, brother, I know about you and the Lord, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> no, it wasn't anything like that. Just straight up, he just said, this is what your problem has been. This is what's going on in your life. And that just, all her defenses went down. It could have gone up, but it went down. Do you know why? There was a spirit there. When God is there, it's very hard for people because there is a sincerity and there is an anointing. And it will break yokes. It will lift burdens. It will do what nothing natural can do. Amen? Amen. And that's what you're looking for, the anointing. Hallelujah. That means God's all over it. Okay. 
In fact, uh, some believe that as a result of Jesus' ministry here to these people, Philip reaped the benefits of it. Later on in Acts chapter 8, verses uh, 5 through 8. So let's just have a look there. It says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them, and the multitudes with one accord heeded the, the things spoken by Philip hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, uh, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Isn't that beautiful? I think that's awesome. (laughs) So this is another example of what Jesus said, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. That was John 4.38. Remember, we went through this before. So here we see a, a fantastic example of what he has done. Now, this is a seed he's sown. Amen? And so when Philip comes through town, thank God, you know, I mean, you know, the Jews are stoning people and killing them, these people are rejoicing, you know? You just almost want to just walk away from all of that and go, you know what, just whatever. And that's really what happened, you know, sometimes people just, they say, oh, well, you know, why did the Jewish people have it so bad? Because they rejected their Messiah. Do you understand? You know, yeah, anyway. All right. <laughs> Could say things won't. Let's move on. All right. <laughs> okay, so re- I would love to preach on some of the things that happened in Acts chapter 8 there. Um, but, you know, I, I, what's important is understand something. When you plant a seed and when you've done something, there, it, it won't end when you leave. Amen. Jesus left. He went. He died on a cross. And then Philip comes into town. And they receive him. They receive Christ. They get healed. Philip is doing stuff that Jesus did. He was healing people, casting on demons. He was doing all the stuff that Jesus did. They received him. Amen? Can you see, this is what we were meant to be doing as well. Because of because what Jesus did, we have, we have this same... Uh, Power and ability available to us. We just need to learn, grow in it, and start moving in it. Amen? Returning to John 4.41. Let's see if we can finish this. In relation to the statement, many more believe because of his own word, Leon Morris says that faith is not faith as long as it rests on the testimony of another. There must be personal knowledge of Christ if there is to be an authentic Christian experience. In other words, it was important that they believed because of his own word, not because of what the lady said. Okay, and it was fantastic that she led them to him, but at the end of the day, faith isn't faith until you hear the Master's voice, until the Lord speaks to you personally. Amen? That's why you have to be careful that you're not writing off other people's faith. You know, that, that was something that, I, that happened in my life. Um, you know, I, I love to listen to certain ministers and preachers, and when I first got saved, um, it was just... Awesome when I sort of found, you know, like Kenneth Copeland, whatever, and, and I thought, wow, I didn't know there was this side to it. 
Because when I got saved, it was kind of like I went straight into a denominational church. And, and, and the experience that I had, it was a Billy Graham meeting that got me saved. And I knew the experience was a real one. But then what came after, you know, wasn't the same, <laughs> you know. And I was really asking God, I said, God, you better show me if there is more to this. Because I might as well go back to what I was before. And uh, lo and behold, God answers prayer, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, I, I turned on the TV, in fact. And people that say, you know, I have problems with TV evangelists, you got your problems, and that's your problem, that's not mine. Because, thank God, I turned them on. Because sometimes it's the only place you can find them, you know what I mean? You, know, you don't know where to go, but if they come to you, at least there's a chance that you get to see it. And, you know, I turned it on, and I went, wow, this is amazing. Now, I've moved on. Okay, amen. But that was okay. <laughs> and uh, but you know that was at least that showed me that there was something more. Amen. And I'm here today because of that man. I, I can say that much. Billy Graham and Kenneth Copeland got me here. Okay, and I don't agree with everything that the stuff that they preach and stuff necessarily, but I love them. And you can love people, man, and because you know why? I know their hearts are right. And if there's anything, hey man, we can all settle it in heaven. And you know what? I don't know everything either. <gasps> Shock horror, no. <laughs> okay? I'm sure there's somebody wants to correct me from somewhere. But you know, if you sow mercy, you will reap it. So we don't judge, so we don't get judged. Amen, hallelujah, and thank you Jesus. Alright. <laughs> oh, we learned. Okay, so. <laughs> Alright. So, it is this... That are true. That having personal knowledge of Christ is what a, a, a truly excuse me. It is this that a truly personal relationship with the Lord uh, is founded upon, and that is knowledge of personal knowledge of Christ. Amen. You need to have personal knowledge of Him. You need to know for yourself. He needs to talk to you. You need to have things confirmed in your heart by Him, and then you've had an experience. Then nobody can shake you, nobody can move you. Finally, in his commentary on this verse, William Hendrickson writes, The multitude of the Samaritans at the well contrasts sharply with those other Samaritan villages who later refused to receive him because he was on his way to Jerusalem. Now we're going to see that incident in Luke chapter 9 verses 51 through 56. However, in this instance, in accepting Jesus by faith, the Samaritans form a striking and pleasing contrast with most of the Jews. If the entire story be taken into account, definite progress in faith is clearly noticeable. Because we saw X8 as well, yeah? So that Jesus is regarded as... Uh, oh, excuse me, no, we're talking about something else here. So that Jesus is regarded as a mere Jew, then as a prophet, next as Messiah, and finally as the Savior of the world. And we're going to see this in the next verse. John 4.42 Then they said to the woman... Now we believe. Notice? Alright? So the, so the Samaritans believe for themselves. And remember all of this is to do with witnesses regarding Jesus Christ. So they become another witness. Remember, remember this is all after Jesus died. The Gospel writers are writing things down to let the Jews know you missed something. There were many witnesses. This was one of them. Amen? And remember, Acts is after, after the, the, the Gospel of John as well. Because Acts happened after okay, all of this stuff. So, 
so that they understand what is actually going on in the city of Samaria when Philip goes and preaches and people are getting healed and everything else. Amen? And so, notice again, so this, is, this was another witness all right, in Gospels uh, or John's Gospel demonstrating the identity of Jesus as the Messiah and Son of God. And so again, they say, now we believe, not because of what you said, talking to the, to the woman, okay? Not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard Him. Alright, so notice personal contact with Christ. And we know, notice this, before she knew, now they know. Alright, they said, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Oh, there you go. So, wasn't Pete that was the first one to say it? So if you're going to build a whole church on that, you better go build one in Samaria. <laughs> okay? Because the Samaritans, man, you know, <laughs> the whole village. Notice, they said, we know that you are the Christ, the Savior of the world. Interesting, isn't it? Amen? And so this is the first instance of cross-cultural evangelism. Okay? So, and further to this, notice that the Samaritans were the first to call Christ the Savior of the world. Perhaps this is why the Lord, uh, yeah, why the Lord would later shock his Jewish audience with the story of the Good Samaritan to help them overcome the prejudices of the day. Can you see that as we're studying this? Can you now see why Jesus used some of the examples he did? Because you know, when we get taught aside from this kind of teaching, you don't know why he says some things. Amen. Why did he do a story about the Good Samaritan? He has just had this incredible experience. And he's going to see Jews having this, this kind of distasteful you know, attitude towards the Samaritans. And he's going to say, let me tell you about the Good Samaritan. <gasps> okay? Because he's had all of this happen. He's had a whole village call him Lord. Wow. Okay. So... so um, <laughs> So further to this, notice also the Samaritans were the first one to call him the Savior of the world. All right? And in his commentary now, William Hendrickson writes, The omniscience which the Lord reveals, that he's knowing everything, okay? Which the Lord reveals marks him as being indeed the Christ, the Son of God. Hence the author of the fourth gospel, that's John, has again reached his goal of John 20 and 31, and that is that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. This is what this always leading back to. Amen? Amen. To conclude, D.A. Carson explains that the Samaritan's interlude reminds the reader again who Jesus really is, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. It also makes the large-scale failure of Israel to come to terms with Jesus all the more tragic. And while the Samaritans, despised by the Jews, turn to Christ, it says in John 1.1, or excuse me, 1.11, that his own, those are his own covenant people, received him not. Isn't that sad? See, again, you can see now why John makes that note, right at the beginning of his gospel, that he came to his own, and his own received him not. Because they'd seen all of this. Remember again, they're writing this not while it's happening, but after 
the fact. Amen. After he had died, buried, resurrected. All of this is written after that. So they can write things in a way that they know the end from the beginning. Or the beginning from the end, however you want to say that. <laughs> okay, I think I got that wrong. Anyway, okay, so they knew what happened. And which is why it was so sad when he would say that he came to his own and his own received him not. And why he would go on to say, but whoever received him, to them he gave the power, and the word means authority, to become the children of God. Amen? And then he goes on to talk about not being, you know, not, none of this was to do with blood or nat- nothing natural. Hallelujah. Because he'd seen all this. Remember he was one of the first disciples? So he was with Jesus throughout his ministry. That's why his gospel has a lot of stuff in it that you know we don't find in other places as well. Besides the fact that he went to heaven and told Jesus the way he really was. That, that was kind of cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright. So this brings us to a conclusion of Christ's first year of ministry in which we covered his baptism, temptation in the wilderness, the early disciples, that is John and Andrew, Simon Peter, Philip and Nathaniel, and from 1 John, uh, excuse me, from John 1.45, perhaps James, we're not sure about that one, changing water into wine, that's at Cana in Galilee, clearing the temple, that's at Jerusalem in Judea, ministering to Nicodemus, remember the rule of the Jews, and finally on his journey from Judea to Galilee, his wonderful ministry to the Samaritans. Alright, we're going to leave it there for this session. Uh, we went a little bit longer, so we'll come back, we'll have a little bit of a shorter session in the next one. Take a break.